Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Art Burns, and I'm here with you on a chilly Saturday afternoon. It is uh, winter's back here in Colorado. <laughs> we had a few days of, of downright spring weather, uh, but here we are back in the chilly, chilly winter. And I hope wherever you are that you are really taking an awareness of the weather, but in a, in a non-judging way, right? Because especially at this time of year, this is a very special time of year where the changing of the seasons is happening, right? Winter is, is releasing her grip, <clears throat> and that happens a little bit at a time, not all at once. It's not a monolithic, just sudden change that we see in, as we transition from the cold and, and, and dark winter into the, the bright and sunny and, and life-filled spring. It's a gradual process, and it happens just like everything else in life. It happens a little bit by a little bit. And some days it, it seems to take a big jump forward, then another day it'll retreat backwards. And, and it's this interplay of, of the, the transition of the give and take and the ebb and flow and the, and the slow creep of it that really does model life. That models the way everything happens. And so when we pay attention moment by moment, because even in some days, you know, you might have, um, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon one day might feel very spring-like, but by five o'clock it feels winter again. So it's not even just a day-by-day -day kind of thing that we can pay attention to. It really is moment by moment. And this is what life is, right? This is exactly how our lives happen. They happen moment by moment. And when we attend to each of those moments, in the, as we attend to the eternal present moment, well, that's when we're showing up. We're really here for whatever it is that's happening. And, and if we can stay with it, then things like anxiety and things like depression and things like, you know, the, the stress that we feel in our lives, these things become much, much more manageable, right? Because if we're attending to the present moment, which is when everything happens, you know, we see the anxiety, we see the depression, we see the stress, and we see it in its sort of nascent form so that we can do something about it before it becomes this big, huge, messy, and difficult thing. And that's what the practices that I talk about here are all about, right? So today I wanted to talk about, I was in a conversation the other day with a, um, uh, a, a guy who's also a coach. I don't know him real well. He's, um, you know, just an associate on, uh, on Facebook, basically. And um, he digs my content and I dig some of his content. And so we, you know, we kind of get into conversations here and there. And the other day he posed a question about, um, about children. And, you know, his focus is much more on parenting. You know, I work with children also um, and with parents. Um, um, but, but his thing is really like a parenting kind of coach kind of thing. And he does that through his own parenting too, which is really beautiful. It's always nice to see that, um, which I do that as well. I mean, I definitely apply everything that I talk about, every single thing that I talk about here and in the, uh, in the workshop I taught this morning, in, in every one of my client meetings, everything that you hear me talk about. I am working on here in my own life, in my family, in my mind, in my emotion all the time. 
And so, so that's kind of, you know, that's usually the sign, right? That, that the coach is, you know, doing the work, right? Or it's a, a very positive sign to see a coach doing the work themselves, you know, the, the same work that they're helping others with. I think that's a, a, a sign of integrity in, in my opinion. But anyway, um, this other gentleman, um, he posed this question about, um, about children and negative self-talk. Right. And, and basically the question was, how, what do we do about a child who has a lot of negative self-talk, right? Like kids are saying like, oh no, I'm not smart. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm ugly. I'm, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's a really important question. There's no, no doubt about it that this is a very important question. Um, and so the answer to me, right, what do we do about this? How do we help a child who's got this negative self-talk? And the, the, the answer to me lies in the, the practice of self-compassion. Okay, because that's what's missing. A lot of people, um, especially about in the last like 20 years or so, there was a a big push um, in the school systems to focus on self-esteem, right? But self-esteem is tricky, especially for a little kid, right? Or for anybody, really. But, but you know, but for children, everything's a little bit more tricky, I think, a little bit more, you know, everything's magnified in a certain sense for children, you know? And so when we, when we push kids towards a self-esteem, right, well, what happens when you fail, right? Where, where does self-esteem go when you fail? Well, the the first place it goes is away, right? It doesn't stay around, right? Self-esteem is based on the concept of, of accomplishment, right? Or, or uh, merit of some sort, right? So self-compassion doesn't require that. Self-compassion is something that we, we can feel or we can practice or we can ex- exercise in any moment, especially in times where we're having difficulty. And so, so this is why I believe that the, the, you know, when we talk about negative self-talk with children or anyone else, because there's plenty of adults that have negative self-talk, there's no question about it, that, that self-compassion is the, is the answer on some level, right? Some form of self-compassion is the answer. And so then the question becomes, okay, so how do we teach children self-compassion? Or again, how do we teach adults? How do we teach ourselves self-compassion? And the, the answer to that question is we don't teach it, especially not to children. Instead of teaching it to children, what we do is we can model self-compassion for the children in our lives. Now, again, this applies to a teacher as much as it does a parent, as much as it does to an aunt and uncle, a grandparent, uh, just a, a neighbor of children, right? You know, anytime you're exposed to children, not just your own children, but anytime you're exposed to children or anytime children are exposed to you, they're watching you. They're paying very close attention to what the adults in their lives are doing because that's how they're learning the appropriate behavior of in their lives. Now, this happens very intensely from the ages of, you know, about two years old to about eight years old, but it doesn't really stop, right? I mean, there's always a sense of, of you know, kids are always kind of, you know, they're absorbing what the adults around them are doing. Right now, of course, if you're the the cool aunt or the cool uncle, then kids are looking more up to you. And certainly as a parent, too, you know, they might never tell you that they're looking up to you, but they are. Right. And so the answer then is not to teach children self-compassion, but instead model self-compassion for them. 
And this becomes very important because in modeling self-compassion for the children in our lives, and again, this applies also to other people in our offices and, and people in restaurants and supermarkets, and it applies everywhere, not just children. But in order to model self-compassion for anyone around us, what we have to do is practice self-compassion. So in a sense, if we want to help others to develop self-compassion, the best thing we can do is practice self-compassion. So in a sense, this is sort of an end around to get you to practice self-compassion. And there's a reason for that, okay? Self-compassion is, is one of the most vital skills that we can have right? It actually opens us up to even emotional intelligence, which is, you know, I, I taught a workshop this morning about emotional intelligence. And I mean, it's, you know, emotional intelligence is by far, in my opinion, by far one of the most vital skills we can have in our lives. In, in fact, Daniel Goleman in his uh, book, um, uh, Emotional Intelligence, I happen to have it right here because I was referencing it. Oh boy. I just dropped a bunch of stuff in my tea. That's no fun. But anyway, <laughs> um, emotional intelligence, it adds to patience, right? Like I could have just gotten really upset that I just dropped, I like dropped a bunch of credit cards that I took out of my wallet and they all went right into my tea. So I don't know what's grosser, that, that the credit cards are dirty or that my tea's dirty. But anyway, um, emotional intelligence why it can me why it can matter more than IQ okay and what he means by that right is that because you know because our whole lives are are based on you know the interactions with each other right that that you know how we how we respond emotionally to the the you know to the circumstances and most importantly to the people in our lives you know that matters a lot more than than self than uh, than IQ, which is just this sort of abstract you know measurement of intelligence that happens in a bubble, right? And so self compassion and kindness in general can can really help us to to you know to gain the self awareness that comes that that is required of self of, of emotional intelligence, right? The emotional intelligence is built upon the the self awareness and the self regulation and empathy, you know, and these are the ways in which we can cultivate emotional intelligence. So these are really the domains in which emotional intelligence lives. And so self compassion can be a really effective way to open ourselves up to the awareness of, of emotional intelligence, okay? So, so my point here, a very long belabored point here, is that it's not just for the kids, and it's not just for everyone else in your life. Self-compassion is very important for you, and I don't, it doesn't matter how, you know, how already self-compassionate you are, okay? Because we can all use more. It's like you can't have too much, right? And so, and so when I say that it's not about teaching self-compassion, but instead it's about modeling self-compassion, what is it that I mean by that? Well, or, or better yet, how do we do that, right? And so one great example, and I did a TikTok video of this earlier, one very simple example of how we could model self-compassion for specifically for our children is let's picture ourselves driving over to the the supermarket right we're doing our you know getting a bunch of stuff for groceries that we need for the house right and our kids are in the back seat right and maybe our spouse is there maybe they're not right 
And as we're driving along, we realize halfway to the store, oh, I forgot the shopping list, right? Or, oh, I forgot the reusable bags, right? Now, in that moment, you always have a choice. Your choice is to say something along the lines of, gosh, Art, you're such a dummy. Why are you so stupid? How come you always forget that stupid bag and blah, 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 right? The other choice, the other alternative we have is to, you know, that <laughs> when I say, oh, you're so stupid, you're so dumb, all that kind of stuff, that's the antithesis of self-compassion, right? So this is an opportunity here for us to bring self-compassion into this situation. And so what that looks like is to say, and it's not enough to just not say those other things, right? It's not enough just to omit that. I mean, yes, that's 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 necessary. That's the baseline is don't, you know, don't let your children hear you, you know, bash yourself over it, right? That's the very baseline. But if you want to model self-compassion, you got to go a little further than that. And and going a little further than that is, is just as simple as, you know, and, and again, with kids, you would want to go ahead and say it right out loud, but say something to the effect of, you know, oh my gosh, look, children, <laughs> look, kids, I, I, you know, I was so, you know, worried about getting out of the house and I, and I, you know, forgot my wallet before we left and I, you know, was feeling a little bit of stress and I forgot the shopping bags. Isn't that amazing how my, my, the stress in my body can impact my memory? Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that wild? I mean, you don't have to use the word fantastic, but the idea though is to let the children know that this is just a perfectly understandable thing. We all make mistakes. We all forget things sometimes and it's okay. And then you could even have fun with it. You could say, hey, do you want to wing it and see how many of the things on the list we remember and how many things we forget? Or should we call mom and ask her? Or should we go back to the house? What, what do you kids think we should do? Make it adventurous, right? The whole point is that, you know, it's about showing our kids that we're kind to ourselves in times of failure, and that's the important thing. And that becomes really the magic of self-compassion. As I've told you here many, many times, self-compassion allows us to look at failure in a much different way, in a much healthier, in a much more accepting way. And when we can look at failure in a way that is not you know, self-deprecating and self-flagellating, then we're no longer afraid of failure. And my friends, if you have children in your life, this is the most important lesson you can teach them or give them through your example. Because again, the whole idea of teaching versus modeling, if I tell my kids, you know, oh, be nice to yourself, you know, practice self that's going to go in one ear and out the other right? They need to know that this is a sustainable, you know, um, a, a realistic way in which you can operate in your life. And in order for them to see that, they need to see it in action, right? Because if you just pause and you try to give them some kind of lesson, again, that's abstracted. That's not part of life. They don't see that the same way as they do. Look at my dad living his life with self-compassion, now, another reason that you might want to consider this, I'm going to take a taste of my credit card tea here, <laughs> just check and see that nothing else is in there. And, mm, yeah, a little, little wallet, <laughs> little wallet taste is not so bad. 
it was really only in there for a second or two. It's not gross, I promise. Um, and uh, and those were credit cards that were in my wallet for a long time. Like they don't get used all the time or anything like that. So, so don't think I'm too gross. <laughs> um, but anyway, <clears throat> another reason why we why you might want to take now as an opportunity to start practicing self-compassion, right, is because of what's going on in the world, right? You know, right now there's this enormous conflict happening in Europe, you know, you can't escape it, right? It's everywhere, right? If you're on social media, if you're on the television, if you're on the radio, if you're in the newspaper, everywhere, right? And so so when we see this, when we see, you know, that, 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 a certain portion of the of the world is being attacked, right? And when we, you know, when we hear the the political, you know, arguments about it, and we, you know, we we see the things on the news again that that's really, you know, sadly it's very biased, you know, and you're only being shown what they want you to see, kind of thing, you know. And so, and, and in a lot of ways, we're, you know, we're open to manipulation. When we let that that sort of you know emotion get inside of us, you know, and 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 so self compassion in this sense can be a way in which we can ground ourselves, right? We can we can tell ourselves that you know what, it's hard to feel this. It's it's hard to feel that, or it's hard to see all of this stuff on TV. And and when we can, you know, and the, so the practice of self-compassion is is basically, there's basically three components to the practice of self-compassion, right? The first component is noticing the suffering, right? So, so recognizing that this is really hard right now. It's a hard time to be alive in, in the context of geopolitical um, news and current events, right? It's a difficult time to, to be alive right now. And of course, it's very difficult for the people in the Ukraine right now. But it is also difficult for the people in Russia. You know, like you also have to consider that, you know, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so the, 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 the three steps of self-compassion are, are the first is to notice the suffering. The second is to recognize that this suffering is not an isolating force in our lives, because that's the way it usually feels, right? When we feel this, the emotions that we're feeling over the, um, you know, the, when we're watching the news and all this, right? It, it feels very separating. We feel like we're a separate entity from the rest of the world, and nothing could be further from the truth. The people who are in Ukraine and the people in Russia are just like you. They are exactly like you. They they wake up in the morning, they have hopes, they have dreams, they have desires, they have fears, they have concerns, they have worries. There are days where they don't feel healthy. There are days where they feel very good. There are days where they, you know, they, in any given time, they want to be free from suffering just like you and me do. They want to be happy in their lives just like you and me do. And so, and so when, we can, when we can practice self-compassion, that second part of self-compassion is recognizing that we're not different from all these people. Our experience is not different from all these people. It is very much the same. 
And and if you were a soldier in Russia, you would be doing exactly what the soldiers in Russia are doing right now. And if you were a a, a person, a, a, you know, a parent in the Ukraine, you would be feeling and doing the same things that the parents in Ukraine are feeling right now. That's the way the world is. That's the way it works. Because we are all very much the same. We are all sharing a human experience. And so, so self-compassion and compassion for others, you can see that there's a very, not really very solid line here, right? It's a very blurred line between compassion for myself and compassion for everyone else, right? But either way, the compassion is about conjoining with that human experience, the, you know, recognizing that we're all living the same human experience on very basic levels. And now the third step of self-compassion is to recognize and to, uh, and to adjust the way in which we soothe ourselves and comfort ourselves, right? You know, a lot of times the, the, the best way to kind of um, uh, sort of see self-compassion is to, you know, imagine yourself, imagine instead of you in this difficult situation, whatever that is, right? Whether it's, you know, you forgot the bags at home, right? As you're on your way to the grocery store. Instead of you being in that position, what if it was somebody you love, you know? Maybe not your spouse, that might not be the best example, but maybe it's a best friend, or maybe it's a, you know, maybe you could picture someone who is uh, from the Ukraine, right? Driving to the store and forgetting their shopping list, right? What would you say to that person? Would you say, oh, yeah, you're so stupid. How could you possibly be that dumb to forget the shopping list again? You wouldn't say that to someone. You wouldn't say that even to someone you didn't like, probably. No, you would say, ah, oh, it's okay. We all forget sometimes. Doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's okay. It's just a shopping bag. It's just a shopping list. Life goes on. That's not to say that we diminish it. It's not to say that, oh, suck it up. But it's to say that, that we can forgive ourselves, you know? Like you would tell a loved one, forgive yourself for this little mistake. Don't go so hard on yourself. And so that's what we can tell ourselves, too. And again, if we can do this out loud, if we can do this so that the whole world sees us doing it, Maybe we start inspiring some other people, whether it's the children in our lives or, as I say, the adults too, right? And then this opens us up to even deeper kindness and deeper compassion so that when we do see things on the news, we have a more sort of open and balanced view of it. We're not so easy, easily manipulated at that point. And, and instead of, you know, the emotions that the, you know, the news programs and stuff are trying to inspire emotions of anger and, and resentment and, 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 you know, they're, they're, you know, they're trying to get you to feel that, you know, and you don't have to, right? You can instead feel compassion for everyone involved. You can feel kindness for everyone involved and you can hope for, for the well-being of everyone involved, and at that point, we can recognize that even the world leader that we might see that the news is telling us is responsible for this whole thing, well, we know that he's not operating in a vacuum either. You know, he's got people around him advising him. He's got people around him pressuring him. 
you know? And, and it also can open us up to the idea that, well, maybe there's a real fear involved. Maybe there's a real worry involved. And so that is worthy of our compassion, not our anger. And honestly, if all of us could do this, well, then there probably wouldn't be so many invasions. There probably wouldn't be so many um, conflicts in the world. Like the Dalai Lama says, if we can teach every, I think he says, every fifth grader, if we teach every fifth grader how to meditate, world violence will be gone in two generations. There will be no more war in two generations. And I believe that. And so it starts with us. It starts with you watching this podcast and this YouTube channel and, and taking the tools that I talk about here and applying them to your daily life, to your moment-by-moment -moment experience. And if we do that, then it, it spreads. It spreads automatically. It's not even something, like I said, you don't have to teach it to anybody. You just practice it. You just be it. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, if you have a family, you know, and one person practices mindfulness in a family, the rest of the family will automatically become more mindful because it's an energy, and that energy spreads, and that energy becomes attractive because th there's a happiness in that energy. There's a well-being in that energy, and people are drawn to well-being and happiness. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this uh, wide-ranging uh, uh, episode today. Uh, it's actually already like it's almost six o'clock in the evening, so this is highly unusual for me to do a, uh, a podcast this late, but I, I know that I've missed so many days with all of you, and I miss you, and I, I've gotten some messages. I know you miss me, and so here I am uh, showing up here at, uh, you know, well, I really should be making my kids dinner right now, and I'll, I'll practice self-compassion in front of them as I, as I work to catch up, uh, but I hope you enjoyed this, this episode. All right, everybody. I wish you well. I'll do my best to do another episode tomorrow, but tomorrow is Sunday and it's a very busy day. Uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Everybody, thank you so much. I wish you well. Take care.